Hello, hello, and welcome to the Gardner Carney Leadership Institute podcast. The GCLI has developed a pedagogy of leadership which combines brain science, leadership studies, cultural competency, and developmental psychology. Its mission is to teach teachers to teach leadership to students. This is your go-to podcast for discussions, tips, and stories for leadership and leadership education. And I am your host, Catherine Birdie, but please call me Birdie. Our world is in dire need of people just like you, people who are committed to building communities of leaders, young and old. So let's get busy leading the next generation of leaders, and thank you for joining us. Hello, 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 and welcome, everybody. This is Bertie, and I'm so excited to have you join me on the GCLI podcast today. Today's guest really needs no introduction, for she has been a GCLI fan favorite since 2014 when she came on board as a GCLI scholar and faculty member. Dr. Kelsey Twist-Schroeder is the Executive Strategist for Research and Planning at the Hamlin School in San Francisco, where she previously served as the middle school division head. Before joining Hamlin, Kelsey was a teacher, coach, and dean at Roland Park Country School in Baltimore, Maryland. She has lectured on the pedagogy of leadership at numerous local and national conferences, and her writing has been published in Independent School Magazine, The Baltimore Sun, and U.S. Lacrosse Magazine. One of Kelsey's research interests includes the intersectionality of leadership and identity, and she is especially interested in nurturing leadership skills in students who identify with groups who have been historically excluded from formal positions of leadership which makes her the perfect guest to talk about LGBTQ plus children and families. I am super excited about this conversation because even though I've been teaching a very, very long time, I am still a curious student of gender fluidity and I want to know as much as I possibly can about how to be as inclusive and supportive as possible. Kelsey will share her professional expertise through her own personal love story and we will use her framework of One, remaining open-minded. Two, allowing children to be our teachers and leaders. And three, continuing to listen, learn, and grow in love. So everyone, without further ado, it is my sincere privilege and pleasure to give you Dr. Kelsey Twist-Schroeder. Welcome, Kelsey. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Bertie. I'm really happy to be in conversation with you. Oh, I'm so excited you're here. We've actually been trying to have this conversation for a while and it felt like the fates were against us and here we are. I'm so glad you're here. Yes. Um, It seems perfect as we honor Pride Month to bring you into the fold and hear more about your story and the work you've done in the space of gender variation and gender inclusivity. Wonderful. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no, I want to just acknowledge the... um, the 2020 presentation you did at NAIS, I'm sure it was eye-opening for a lot of people. And in it, you discussed a framework that I think is absolutely beautiful. Um, May I share that with everybody? Of course, please. All right, you say, be open-minded and accepting of people who are different from you. Number two, allow children to be our leaders and role models. And three, keep listening, learning, and growing in love. And I just think that is a perfect framework through which anyone can grow in their understanding of this topic, situation, um, learning that we are all going through as a community. And I really, Mm -hmm. really appreciate the work you've done. So 
let's just take them one by one and um, back up a little bit if we can and start us off by telling us your story and what led to this framework. Sure. Yes. No, I'm happy to. So um, I guess I'll just start with sort of my own story and my own personal experience has informed um, my work around LGBTQ plus inclusion at schools. Um, so it's something that I think has always been in my heart, you know, from my very earliest days as an educator, because it's about really the heart of it is about inclusivity and making sure students can show up as their full authentic selves. Um, and as an educator, I know that kids are going to perform at their best and they're going to learn the most and they're going to get the best experience um, out of their education when they can really be their true selves and feel known, accepted and seen. So I think that's always been part of my approach as an educator. Um, and then my own personal experience um, has also led, I, I led to a deeper understanding of how we can do this work in schools. So, yep. um, so I think it's both of those things uh, together. So I guess I'll just start by telling, um, telling you a little bit about my path. And it starts probably way back in 2005 um, when I was a senior at Stanford. Um, and I met my spouse and uh, the two of us, we were, you know, doing things that college seniors do. We were studying hard. We were both varsity athletes. Um, we were spending a lot of time in the sun uh, as kids in Palo Alto do. Um, and, you know, we fell in love with each other and we um, had sort of a whirlwind romance um, and decided that we wanted to get married. And so after, you know, three years of dating, um, we decided to get married. And so um, we had a lot going on at the time, as, as you know, folks do. I was beginning my career as an educator at Roland Park Country School, which is my alma mater. Um, Jamie, my spouse, was actually finishing the Olympics. Uh, she's a two-time Olympic rower, um, was competing uh, in the men's category at that time, was presenting male. Um, and uh, so anyway, she was between the Olympics and beginning medical school. And so we had a lot going on, um, but we had a beautiful wedding and, uh, you know, still one of the, I think still the happiest day of my life was uh, the day we got married and began this path together. So sort of long, you know, fast forward a little bit. We had three children. Um, we had two of our children were born prematurely and had pretty difficult stays in the NICU, particularly our first daughter was born at 27 weeks. Um, and after you know a lot of different considerations, we had our third child with surrogacy. So we had been through kind of a lot. Those are complex processes to go through to have these three children. And so we had been through some hard things together and had forged a really strong partnership. Um, you know, very devoted to each other, very good partners in life um, and very loving. And after, you know, I guess maybe eight years of being married and these three children later, um, we had a really uh, transformative conversation where Jamie explained to me that after trying to sort of suppress uh, this part of herself for a really long time that she was transgender, and that she really needed to, to do some things about this and be completely honest with me about it. And I think it was, you know, it's a position that as a cisgender person, I don't think I'll ever totally understand. Um, and as the person receiving that news at the time, I don't think I really fully understood what it meant. Um, but I knew, you know, that we really loved each other and that we had a wonderful marriage and we ha and have a wonderful marriage now and all, all marriages as people know and partnerships can be complex. Um, but I, I just said in that moment when Jamie shared that news, 
and was, I think, feeling incredibly vulnerable. Like we're, we're going to find a way through this. And we've already, you know, we've been through hard things together and we can, we can do it. And so we sort of put our heads together and said, how are, how are we going to do this? And we decided um, that probably one of the important steps was to be in a, in an environment that was going to be inclusive and supportive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had some real concerns about making this kind of transition as a family in Baltimore. And, you know, Jamie thinks that we would have been fine and everything would have been fine and who knows, but in my heart was really, you know, my first job and my most important job is as a mother. Yes. And I, um, you know, and this was pretty long time ago, Bertie, right? This isn't, you know, even today when people have a lot more knowledge about, you know, that transgender people exist in the world. So um, we decided to relocate to San Francisco and I was able to get a wonderful job at the Hamlin School, which is a terrific girls school here. And our daughters go to the school and Jamie was able to um, get an appointment at UCSF, which is a terrific hospital. And so we decided to make this move and come to San Francisco. I'm just amazed by your story. It is truly one of love and open-mindedness and <laughs> accepting people who are different than you. And and to do that in a marriage, marriage is beautiful and complicated. And you guys are the perfect example of how to how to do this, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I really do. I mean, you know, there's so many things I I could mm -hmm. say about my own marriage that um that you know I, I love I love my husband. I love <laughs> our family, but it is hard, and it's it really is hard. wonderful. And I really admire how y'all have gone about this mm -hmm. path, and mm -hmm. I love. I mean, so not only did you have to remain open minded open-minded and accepting um within your marriage you also were able to harken back i love i love what you talk about authenticity i mean you wanted jamie to be her authentic self and you wanted to support her in that mm -hmm. just like we want to do with our students and mm -hmm. how how incredible the world can be when we can function from that position mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we don't always how do you and how have you handled um i know it's probably a very accepting environment, but I'm still sure you get questions. Um, how do you, how do you respond to that? And how do you, how do you handle questions? Sure. And sure. You know, it's, it's interesting. And, and sort of, I took a break in the story right there, but I will say there was a lot of grief. I personally experienced a tremendous amount of grief around Jamie's transition. And in a lot of ways, you know, it was sort of the death of my husband's, you know, and it was, it was sort of the loss of this, um, identity that I had become really comfortable with. And her transition, of course, actually changed my identity in the world, which is a really yeah. complex thing to happen. Um, and so I will say it was not without some real hurdles. And we had, you know, some really wonderful people in our community supporting us and lifting us up. But I will say it took me a very long time to, I think, um, to, to, it just took me a long time to process all of my feelings. And so one of the things I think a lot about um, when it comes to like LGBTQ students is we have to serve the needs of these kids, right? It's not like it was anyone's fault. I think, you know, no one chooses to be transgender, right? So it's not like Jamie could say, oh, you know, this is hard for you. Let me, you know, I think she had done that for a really long time and, so, and it hadn't worked. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
even though it was like, there's no blame to go around, it doesn't mean that I didn't still experience a lot of grief and loss. And so one of the things I think a lot about is when we're working with families is to say, how do we support everyone in, in this situation? And I think sometimes for parents, there can also be feelings of grief or loss if, if their child isn't sort of going down the path that they've always dreamed of or, you know, mm -hmm. using the name that they gave to them that's really, you know, that means so much to them. And so I think one of the things that we have to do is always make sure we're taking care of our kids first. Um, but we know that partnerships with parents when it comes to working with young people are, are critically important. And so as, as educators, you know, our, par our parents are always our partners. And I think we have a, um, they're going through, they can be going through a unique experience and a difficult one. And so we want to try and find ways to support parents going through this process. But anyway, to get back to your question, it's so interesting because I think children are brilliant and I love the way that they think. And I was with my daughter once, I think she was eight at the time, so my second child. And someone said to her, you know, why do you have two moms? Or, you know, how were you born if you have two moms? And she said, well, actually, my one mom is transgender. And she said, what does that mean to be transgender? And these are just kids asking, you know, really honest, simple, simple questions. And she had the most beautiful answer. She said, well, what it means to be transgender is that my mom knew she was a girl on the inside. And so she changed the out, her outside to match who she was on the inside. That's it. That's it. That's it. For the mouths of babes. That's awesome. Right? And so I think, you know, when you can just think um, in those kinds of terms, think with the clarity of, of a child, it becomes a lot more simple. And I will say, you know, a lot of people said, how was it for your kids? You know, because I, I mean, I think it was really the hardest for, for me. It really was difficult. And it was really not an issue for my kids. And they were, you know, relatively young at the time. Um, and I've asked my kids even since, you know, like, are you sad not to have a dad? And they're like, you know, I think it would be nice to have a dad, but I really love having two moms. And I think what was so important was that their life didn't change, right? Like all of the things Jamie did with them when she was presenting mail are all the things she does now, right? Like play games with them, go swimming with them. You know, last night we celebrated our, you know, my second daughter's 10th birthday with s'mores in the backyard. You know, we do all the things that we've always done. And what children need is love and care and a loving, yeah. supportive home. And none of that changed. And I think the other piece um, to, to that is that they were in a community where they were never made to feel that they were less than, right? Like that in kindergarten, we begin talking about how, you know, families can all look different. And sometimes you have one parent and sometimes you have two parents and sometimes you have two dads and sometimes you have two moms and sometimes you live with your grandparent or an aunt, or, you know, you're adopted. And I think um, what a wonderful way to help children know that whatever their family structure is, that, that that's great. And that they can be proud of, you know, who, where they come from. Well, and there's the number two, allow children to be our leaders and role models. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I do think this is just going to be a much different conversation in, you know, maybe five years, but certainly 10, 15 years from now, um, because these kids are growing up with a, an entirely different framework um, than what we had. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I agree. Well, and in terms of the third point, 
listening, learning, and growing in love. I, I love that because it really allows us to enter the conversation wherever we are. And I would love to know, like, does, does Jamie, does she, um, does she do any work in this space um, with students? Does she have any resources that she can share? Do you have any resources you can share? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, I'm a big believer in you have to do the work yourself first, right? Mm-hmm. And so this was a huge transition for Jamie, but also for our whole family. And I think what we wanted to focus on is really um, making sure that that we're living our values as a family and that we're taking good care of each other, that we're loving each other, that we're supporting our kids, that they're happy and healthy children, you know, that we have professional lives where we feel like we're contributing. And so I think, you know, it's only been, I guess, three years total. And so I think we're kind of beginning to be able to turn our focus outwards. You know, we're going to be sitting on a panel next week for the Greater Greater Baltimore Medical Center, GBMC, um, it's called, you know, compassionate caregiver rounds, and it's about gender inclusive language in, in patient care at hospitals. Um, and so we're kind of starting to, to do this work a little bit more publicly. Um, but I think it's really important that you kind of begin with yourself, um, and your own learning. And I've tried to do as much reading as I can and just learning as I can, because at the end of the day, you know, as a cisgender person, I'll never truly understand the experience of a transgender person, but I can, um, learn as much as I can. And then I, I think finally, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a person of faith. I've been a Christian my entire life. Um, I've also been, you know, Ray, I was raised in the Episcopal church, um, where, you know, it was, women could be priests and, you know, it was just a little bit of a more inclusive approach, I think, to, um, the faith. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I think you can't go wrong when you're asking yourself, how do I live my life in a way that is loving and that, mm-hmm. that, that tries to serve and care for others. And to me, that work really is driven by my faith as a Christian. Um, and that what, you know, my faith was a really important part of my journey in the last three years. So I also want people to know, you know, I don't think, um, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know. We'll have to come back to that. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's absolutely, it's a beautiful love story. It's a beautiful, um, I think, I think it's a truly a wonderful example of helping people understand that this is not just something that people can turn on or off mm-hmm. and to do the work and educate ourselves to figure out how to deal with any bias we have regarding this issue um, to realize it's okay to mess up. I've, mm-hmm. I've recorded another uh, podcast episode with a former student where I shared um, my mistakes regarding pronouns and and it was devastating for me. I felt embarrassed. He didn't seem to rem- even remember mm-hmm. it, but um, but still it was, um, you know, I, I was trying and I messed up and that was, it was so nice to hear that that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but just sharing the stories, talking about uh, ways we can all do better. And I just, I love this framework, open-mindedness, go to our children and, and take, you know, just as simple as making the inside match mm-hmm. the outside match the inside is and then growing in love i just mm-hmm. i think it's mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. make we can complicate things so much and i think this is just such a beautiful easy mm-hmm. framework mm-hmm. from which to really create a jumping off point for this discussion 
as we continue to grow into um, who we are as a community that mm -hmm. teaches children and has to honor them in all, all ways that they present to us. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Oh gosh, it's my pleasure. You know, I thought when you were when you were talking a moment, I thought of one other sort of anecdote that might be useful here. And it was the day that we um, after Jamie and I had done our work to talk about how we were going to approach this transition as a family. Of course, we needed to sit down and talk to our children and tell them what they were going to you know, what to anticipate. And so, you know, I was I had spent a lot of time thinking about it. You know, I approach this conversation like I'm approaching a, a lesson, like I had a lesson plan ready to kind of <laughs> unfold. And um you know, we love to eat as a family. We love big breakfasts on Saturday morning. And so we had made waffles and fresh squeezed orange juice. And we sort of sat our kids down and explained what was going to happen. And, um, you know, my my oldest daughter looks up after we sort of explained that, you know, Jamie is transgender and that you know, she's going to be changing her outsides to match who she is on the inside. And, and, and what do you think about that? And she looked up and said, of course you have to be who you are. And, oh. and then, you know, we were all, it sort of took our breath away. And then she said, can I have another waffle? You know, and I just <laughs> thought, that's right. You know, this is, we're going to be who we are. And, you know, and, and let's have a really nice breakfast. Um, and so I think what, what a gift, you know, the, the wisdom of children can be to all of us. Yes. Um, and and an inspiration, certainly. So anyway, well, you are an inspiration. And I cannot wait to see you in a few weeks at the Leadership Lab, everybody who's going. Um, we look forward to seeing you there, everybody mm -hmm. who has been. Uh, keep checking us out on social media and stay in touch with your own stories. And we'll just um, we'll kind of leave it at that. But Kelsey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love mm, to the family. And, yes, same and, to you. Um, see you soon. Okay, thanks, Freddie. Take care. Thank y'all for joining us today, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Until then, visit us at gcliadership.org and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You'll find all of our links at the bottom of our podcast. And until then, lead on. <laughs>